I'll spend most of my time in the book of Galatians this morning, I guess, although I'll be flipping around a little bit, but uh, if you want to go ahead and turn to the book of Galatians, I want to talk to you this morning about the law of life, the law of life. The definition of the law, specifically when it comes to things related in the Bible, that's a, that's a word that you're going to see very early on in the scriptures in the Old Testament, and it's going to follow uh, all the way through to the book of Revelation, is the concept of the law. And when you look at the definition of the law, it will tell you it is a custom, uh, it is anything that is established, uh, or it is a commandment. And to, to kind of get our minds uh, to where we can understand that and lay a little bit of groundwork for uh, hopefully what the Lord will bless us to look at here in a minute, I want you to just think outside of spiritual things, outside of the Bible, when you think about the word uh, law, uh, obviously we would think about some sort of judicial law. Uh, there, is a, uh, a, there are rules and regulations that we have to abide by in society. I can't just go out and you know, take something of somebody else's if I want it. I can't go out and take a life. I can't go out and take your car. Uh, there are uh, limits to how fast we can drive on the roads out here. Uh, you know, it's just an endless list of commandments, I guess, that you'd say we were given from our judicial system that we're supposed to follow. And that certainly would meet the definition of the word law that we see in the Bible, but it goes beyond that. Uh, you know, if you imagine the, you know, the definition of law is a big circle, judicial laws certainly go inside of that. But there are other laws that we just kind of see day to day that, are, that you would define as you know, things that are established. Um, I can remember many years ago uh, when I was in college, I had to take a class uh, several classes that were uh, thermodynamics. Some of you guys may be in those classes now, and I remember pretty much nothing from them. Uh, and I had to go back and look up some of those things, and it was so confusing. Once I looked at it, I just quit and didn't look at it anymore. But in thermodynamics, there are certain laws that are established among that, uh, that subject matter there. Uh, there's three, maybe four laws of thermodynamics. And, you know, it's, it's uh, they're, they're somewhat related to things that you might have learned uh, as a child in very simple forms. Uh, you've probably heard things like matter cannot be created or destroyed. You may have heard things um, like, you know, something, uh, an object will uh, remain at rest until another object acts upon it. Or an object will remain in motion until another object uh, acts against it. They're all different types of laws. There's a uh, a law of disorder. It's called entropy, a law of disorder. And that's something that we all can clearly see. And that is just the, uh, an established truth that things tend to go from a state of order to a state of disorder, just naturally. And if you think about that, if we never came back inside of this church, if we left today and 50 years went by and nobody ever set foot back in this church, when you came back into this church, what you would find is it had gone from a state of order to a state of disorder. The ceiling would be hanging down. There would be dust everywhere. The walls would be decaying away. The carpet would be rotting. It would go from order to disorder. That's just a, 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 a law that is established. Now, uh, that's, that's what we might call something like a, a scientific law. But there are natural laws that are out there. For example, if I pick uh, this cup of this glass of water and I toss it out there, it's not going to go up, it's not going to go sideways, it's going to go straight down, right? Because there is a law that we call gravity. Now, the Lord established that law, but that's a law of gravity that we're all subject to. That is not an issue of right or wrong. It's just an established truth. 
the law of gravity. And there's many different types of laws that you can look at out there. So again, the definition is some, it's a commandment like a judicial law, but it is also something that can be established like the law of gravity, the law of energy, the law of thermodynamics, the law of disorder, different types of laws. And I want you to kind of let that lay the, the groundwork for some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning when it comes to spiritual types of things. Now, spiritually speaking, we certainly can say that there are moral laws that would mirror the judicial laws that we talked about in the world of man. But God, uh, from very early on, he gives us some moral or judicial laws that we're to follow. Maybe you best recognize those as the Ten Commandments. You're not supposed to steal. You're not supposed to kill. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to covet. You're not supposed to have any other gods before the Lord. You know, that's a judicial type. That is a right. That is a wrong, a moral law that God has given us. But the Lord has also, inside that huge circle of the definition of the law, the Lord has established some things that are also considered a law. For example, let me read here to you in Matthew, the 23rd chapter. Notice this. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. These ye ought to have done and not to leave the others undone. So the Lord, out of the very mouth of Jesus, says when we're talking about laws, he's rebuking the Pharisees. He says, hey, inside that realm of the law, you know, you're following all these very, very well. You know, you won't miss a jot or tittle of all these things in the law. But there's other aspects of the law that are not necessarily morally you know, a moral issue is more of something that I have established judgment. The Lord has established mercy and the Lord has established faith. Now, in the book of first John, this is very important. I want you to take note of this one in the book of first John. If I can get over there to it in the third chapter. In verse 23, it says this. And this is his commandment. What are we talking about? We're talking about laws, commandments, things established. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So inside that huge definition of what a law is, Jesus himself said inside of that are things that I've established. And he defines them as law, as judgment and mercy and faith. John writes here that the commandment that was given was belief. So we can put belief, judgment, mercy, faith, all of God's moral laws and anything that he established inside that circle that defines what the law is. Okay, now hold on to that. In the book of Genesis, something we've talked about many, many different times, the Lord placed Adam in a garden that we know is Eden. This is going to be over in Genesis, maybe the third chapter. And in, the, in that garden, in the middle of that garden, the Bible tells us that there are two trees in the midst of the garden. One of those trees is the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord tells them of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're not supposed to eat it. Because the day that you eat it, thou shalt surely die. And we know that that means they, began, they died spiritually the instant that he ate of the fruit. 
But they began to die physically the instant they ate of that fruit. And through the years, Adam, Eve, and the rest of mankind that would come from them would begin to decay away. Now, so there was a law given there, and that, we, call, we call that the law, the law of death, the law of sin and death, right? That, that Adam sinned against God, and the punishment for that sin was death. Now, what we don't talk about as much is the other tree that's in the midst of the garden. Like, have, you ever, have you ever messed up and really, really, really wanted to go back and make it right? I've done it a bunch of times. Sometimes, you know, I, 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 I teach the kids as, you know, as they've grown up and we've started to shoot guns and things like that. I probably told you before that I teach the kids that hey, a gun does not have an eraser. And once you pull that trigger, uh, it's, it's like my dad tells me, he says, you can holler at that bullet and scream at that bullet to get back in that gun, but there's no undoing that. Once you pull the trigger, it's very similar to things that you say. Sometimes you say something and before you even can stop yourself, it's come out of your mouth. And sometimes the damage that can be done by that, you just can't undo it. But we've all done things that we desperately want to undo. Yeah, have you ever said something to somebody and before it even got into their ears and that brain started to process it, you started to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean that, I'm sorry. You know, something, and we want to undo it. Now listen, I want you to put yourself in Adam's shoes for just a second. Now, one mistake that we probably make as we read through the Bible is we just kind of have, make this assumption uh, that the people that we read about in the Bible had a full knowledge of what we have today. And you say, well, Adam knew about all these things. Adam didn't know the things that we know. These things that, you know, and the Bible even talks about that. Sometimes the people in the Bible had the promises, but they never saw those promises come to be. And though that, so that is why the Bible tells us to walk by faith. Uh, if the Lord tarries and say, uh, you know, a hundred years from now, the Lord comes back and uh, and, and a hundred, you know, hundred years from now, the Lord comes back. We're all dead and gone, and we're all going around talking to people in heaven. And I know this is a simple, silly way to put this. There'll be people there say, "Hey, you had the promise of His return, but I saw it." We could people, we could go back in time and say, and, and go to Moses and say, "Hey, you had the promise of Christ coming, but we're on the other side of it coming, and we know how it all panned out." Well, Adam here. He doesn't know what we know. Now, what if you were Adam? I want you to think about this. What if you were Adam and he knew he messed up when he messed up? Because it says they knew they were naked. They began to hide from God and they began to blame each other for the situation they were in. They tried to find, uh, get fig leaves and sew them together to cover themselves. His mentality and his line of thinking is not what it was before he took the fruit and disobeyed God. Now, if I were Adam... I would want to undo that if I could. I would be like, what in the world have I done? Let me see if there's any way I can fix this. In the midst of the garden, the Bible tells us there are two trees. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but the other tree in the midst of the garden is the tree of life. Now, the tree of life is somewhat of a mystery to us from, what, from the little information that we have in the Bible, but I, I will read to you what it says about it. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, because he, he ate of the fruit. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So, in my 
corrupted way of thinking, which would have been probably similar to Adam's, I, it might have dawned on me, I tell you one way we might could undo this, or at least try to, is let's go eat of the tree of, the, of life. I mean, be realistic with it. Was that not a logical thought that we would have if we have messed up to the degree that Adam messed up to say, hey, let me try to fix this and go back to the tree of life. Now, what would the tree of life done if they ate it? It's a little bit of a mystery. The Bible says here that they would have lived forever. Would they have lived forever as corrupt human beings? I don't know. But what I do know is to some degree, it was a healing. That's what the Bible tells us in Revelations about the tree of life is that the leaves are for the healing of the nations and it yields its fruit every month in season. There was something about this tree of life that could bring life back to people who had fallen to some degree. Now, what that is, I don't know. But there was healing for what Adam had done. And the Lord said, there's enough truth in what I just told you to prompt the Lord to say, he can't get back. We can't let him get back to this tree. Would it have undone sin? Would it have undone death? I don't know. I, you know my, I guess my original thought was be, he would have been a corrupt fallen being that had gone over here and tasted of that tree of the knowledge, of, uh, the, the tree of life. And maybe he would have been a corrupt immortal being. Now that would have been even worse. You know, death, you know, sin only reigns until what? Death. Death is our release from this sinful, corrupt body. That's the only way we get out of it. Maybe. I don't know. But there was enough healing in that tree that the Lord didn't want him going back to it. And it says, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, angels, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way to the tree of life. Are y'all with me on this? Yeah. All right, if I'm wanting to undo what I've done, it appears to some degree there's a way to fix at least part of it. Which I always thought that would have been a great Indiana Jones movie, Brother Tim. I mean, we did, we did the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. We did the Holy Grail. What about the tree of life? Indiana Jones going back to try to find the tree of life, and then he gets there, and all of a sudden they realize there's the flaming sword, and they should have read the Bible and saved themselves the trouble. <laughs> right? Because right? you can't get back to it. I always thought it would be good, though. I lost my train of thought. I shouldn't have gone with Indiana Jones. I tell you. <laughs> Thank you, Adam, for this corrupt mind that I've got. All right, so here's my point. He can't get back to it, right? He can't get back to it. Now, if I'm kicked out of the garden, the only way that I can somewhat fix what I've done has been sealed and I can't do it. I want to start finding another way to fix what I've done. I want to find something that I can do to make it right. Now, at some point in time, does God ever come to man? And say to man, here is how you can fix what has been undone. All right, there was a law of death. Was there ever given a law of life? Eat of this and you're going to die. Was there ever a do this and you will live? The only way that he could have done it at that point, God said, you're not going to do it. I'm going to keep you from doing it. Now, my own personal opinion of that is because if you could go back and eat of the tree of life, what's the point of having the Lord Jesus Christ? Do those, flame, do those cherubs and that flaming fire not set the stage for the redemption of Jesus, through Jesus Christ? Now, 
Did the Lord ever come to man and say, here's a tree, Adam. If you'll just eat of this tree, it'll undo what you've done. No, because he blocked that from him. Did he ever come along and say, okay, Adam, if you'll do this, then it'll undo what you've done. Now, the answer to that is no. The Lord never came and gave a law of life to man to undo what Adam did. Amen. And they never did. Now, how do I know that? Galatians, I said I was going to go there. I finally got there. Galatians, the third chapter, notice this. Verse 21, this is what it all hinges around. Galatians 3.21 says, If there had been a law that could have brought righteousness, verily righteousness should have been attained by the law. Notice that. If there had been a law that could have made mankind right with God again, then we would have had something to go back and undo what Adam did. But the rhetorical question there that Paul tells the church at Galatia, Galatia is there was never a law given that could establish you as righteous back in the sight of God. God never said you go eat this fruit. You say, well, some man may say, well, oh yeah, you want to get, back, get right back with God. You just got to believe and believe is not a commandment. Believe is not a law. What did 1 John say? This is the commandment. That you believe on the Son, Jesus Christ. So, well, no, you, you just got to have faith. Faith will get you right back in the uh, standing with God. But the Bible says this. Jesus said from himself, you've ignored the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. So you can scratch belief. You can scratch faith off your list of things of laws to do to get back right with God. You get that? Yeah. Is anybody with me? Amen. What about Acts 2.38? Is, is, is John 3.16 a law, a commandment, instructions to get back to God? Yeah. Is Acts 2.38, repent and believe every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, is that a law given to get back to the Lord? No. Because Paul says if there had been... Right. If there had been a law given to establish yourself as righteous, then you could have been made righteous without the law, which is another way to say you wouldn't need Jesus. And the Bible says that no man shall be justified by the law. And it says if a man could be justified by the law, then Christ died in vain. You see, if God would have said, here's a fruit, here's instructions, here's belief, here's faith, here's repentance, here's baptism... Do these things and you will get back right with God. And we did those things, <clears throat> Christ would have died in vain. You see, God set it up from the beginning that there's only one way back to God. So the question is, how can we be righteous? What does Romans 5, 19 say? Notice this. By the obedience of how many? One. By the obedience of one were many made righteous. If Adam could have gone back to the tree and taking the fruit and eating it and undone what he did, he wouldn't have needed the obedience of Jesus Christ. If belief and faith or repentance and baptism or any combination of those can, is something you can do to get back to Jesus Christ, you didn't need Jesus Christ. Because it says by the obedience of one, many were made righteous. Now, let me give you the conclusion of all this. 
I would have desperately wanted to undo what I had done and the curse that I brought on mankind. God prevented Adam from being able to do that. And at no point throughout history has God come to man and said, if you will do these things, it will undo to you what Adam did to you. At no point. And Paul says, if that were the case, if there had been a law that could have done that, Christ would have died in vain and you could establish your own righteousness. Now, was that not something that people have struggled with for a long time? Did the Jews not struggle with that? I read a little bit about what the Jews said about the law. And some of, their, some of the quotes about the law were, as great and wonderful as the law of God, because in it is life. Well, that's not what the Bible said. So I guess my point would be this. What, what does Paul say? They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, because they go about trying to establish their own righteousness. They're trying to undo what Adam did. And Paul says, he never gave you a law that could undo what he did. You can't make yourself righteous. Listen, the only conclusion that I can come to, and maybe I'm not very smart, and maybe I'm misguided, and maybe I'm misunderstood. I have misunderstood, but the only conclusion that I can come to when I read these things is that there was one person that was given the law of life. And his name was Jesus Christ. And it was given to him by God Almighty that says, you go, you die for them. You fulfill that. And they're washed as white as snow. By the obedience of one were many made righteous. The only conclusion I can come to is that without the finished work, the sole finished work of Jesus Christ, my faith, my belief, my repentance, my confession, my bad baptism, my best day of good works, as the Bible says, are as filthy rags Amen. before God. I can't do it. And you can't do it. But one day I believe all God's people are going to stand in heaven, maybe in some sort of instantaneous weird moment, we will see just the, how the magnitude of our sins, the magnitude of our sins and all the things we've done to go against the cause of Christ and to bring shame to ourselves. And then we'll see that it was by the obedience of one that many were made righteous. Brothers and sisters, I can come to no other conclusion that our righteousness is not established by anything else but the finished work of Jesus Christ. I don't know how you can come to any other conclusion as Sonny Powell says unless somebody helps you misunderstand. But I'm thankful for the finished work of Christ and um, He is our tree of life. I hope that's been profitable to you and pray for, pray for Brother Tim as he comes.